You are now listening to an Ashford Community Church podcast. Join us as we listen to a message by Pastor Claudio Santilli from the Free Indeed Seminar. Free Indeed Seminar, Chapter 1, Foundation for Deliverance. I want to take you to the starting point, which is Psalms 139, verse 16. It says, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. So the first point is, the starting of your life is in the conception, in the womb of your mother. You start to exist right there. And right there, God had a design for your life. And right there, you start receiving spiritual, emotional, and mental influence. Not only from your mother, but from the environment around your mother. Whatever emotions, whatever thoughts, whatever perceptions, whatever oppressions, whatever evil actions were in the life of your mother, those influences start reaching you right there. And now let's go to the spiritual entities. It's very important to understand that we are surrounded by them. Exodus 20, verse 3 says, You shall have no other gods before me. And what is the meaning of other gods? Other gods can be interpreted as evil entities represented by objects of worship and by names. So, in fact, the devil wants us to get related to names and to objects of worship that will connect it to evil entities, to spirits, unclean spirits. And by the way, Paul explains to the church in Ephesians 6, 12. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So our battle is not against man, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of weakness, in the heavenly place. We'll see later in this seminar the structure, the evil structure by the second heaven. But right now, let me anticipate that we have Satan himself, the cherub that fell from the third heaven, which is Lucifer, but became Satan the adversary, or the devil, or the old serpent, or the dragon. So you have Satan, you have thrones, and then for every throne 
for all the thrones, we have a prince, which is called principalities. In Greek, is archi. And then we have the powers. It's called, in, in Greek, exousia. This is a hierarchy of evil power. Under the powers, we have the rulers. They are the cosmocrators. So they are the ones who come with the instruction from the second heaven and implement it on earth. And they lead the hosts, the spirits. So that is a full hierarchy that we battle against. And, by the way, the church is the only group of people authorized, appointed, and anointed to do this battle properly. The other people on earth, they will just be slaves. They will play by the command of the cosmos, which is the the evil structure of this world. Now let's go to the third point, which is the spiritual legality. What makes the devil free to dominate? What is the real point on the domination? As God is the Lord of all. Exodus 24. Let's go into this detail. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. So our interpretation here is that uh, disobedience to God's law empowers the devil. This is what we call spiritual legality. And legality it starts in the family line, which we call family curse or generational curse. Then remains in the life of the person as the person adopts the same iniquity or the same sin or the same lifestyle. So the curse will be released and will be implemented as the person aligns in his attitudes, committing the same sins of the fathers. This is legality. And that's why you look at a family and you see a tendency. There is an evil plan in every and each family. So there is a tendency for alcohol to be drunk. There is a tendency for adultery. There is a tendency for violence. There is a tendency for committing suicide. And on and on and on. A tendency to speak lies. A tendency to be uh, in a manipulation and controlling modes. 
Let's go, go ahead with the item four is disobedience and evil spirits. Now the, the key point, I think uh, we all need to understand this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. It is talking about us that were born again, believers. It says, and you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. It's talking about you and me. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Pay attention. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. And I want to emphasize the part that says, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So what is the turning point? Obedience to God's word. What is the, the key to remain under the influence and control of evil spirits? Disobedience. And pay attention to uh, Romans 6, 16, which will uh, support our statement. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey. You are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Perceive, you present yourself to obey and you become a slave of that spirit. You present yourself to obey, now you become slave of that spirit. It is written, you are that one's slaves whom you obey. So if you obey evil spirits, you'll be practicing sin, leading you to death. If you obey the Holy Spirit, you'll be practicing obedience, leading you to righteousness. So, obedience to the Word of God is the key in deliverance and healing. And there is no way you're going to ask for an anointed man or a woman of God to come to your life, lay hands, lay on hands, and pray for you, and release the power of God. And then you step out of that prayer time and keep, insist, continue living a sinful lifestyle and you'll be delivered. That is no way you're going to be in real trouble. So the real point is first being born again and second be willing to abide in the Word of God. That's the, that's the point. If you are if you are continuing in a lifestyle that does not glorify the Lord, you not supposed to expect your life to be free. So there is a commitment here and there is a compromise if you don't commit.
and I cannot uh, deceive you on that aspect. It's very important. So let's go to the point five, salvation. I want you to understand salvation now. And salvation can be divided in three points. The first point, the first phase of salvation is justification. The second phase of salvation is sanctification. And the third phase of salvation is redemption. Salvation in a spirit is justification. What is justification? It is a decree from the Almighty forgiving all your sins, giving you a new spirit, human spirit, and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your new regenerated spirit, and also a new heart which is the center of your soul. I want you to come with me on Ezekiel 36, which was mentioned by Jesus as the promise of the Father. Jesus was talking in the Gospel of John about the promise of the Father. What is that? Let's read Ezekiel 36, 26. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Amen. So, God does something wonderful by grace. Ephesians chapter 2 says that is by grace, it's not by works. So we are saved by grace and the first moment of salvation is being born again. Jesus said to Nicodemus, being born out of the water and the spirit, out of the word of God and out of the spirit, to seeds. And now you receive a new human spirit because the other one was completely damaged, corrupted by sin. And in order to avoid your soul to contaminate your spirit, God gives you the Holy Spirit's presence as a seal. The Holy Spirit comes and seals off. And by sealing off, God is ensuring that the sins of your souls, the corruption of your soul, is not uh, invading your new spirits. And also, God is giving you the center of your soul as the receptor of the things of God, which is a new heart. The soul is contaminated, but the heart is new. It's brand new and should be fed by the things of God that comes from the Spirit. That is the flowing of living waters. That is the fountain that was placed inside of you. And now based on that fountain, now you can be transformed. But before we call the transformation, we need to, to read Hebrews 10 because it is important to understand 
what justification is all about. When you say, I am justified, what am I saying? We talk about Jesus paying the price. Jesus came as a man and uh, died and rose from death. And uh, in Hebrews 10, it's talking about receiving, Jesus receiving a body to fulfill his mission. And on verse 10 says, By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And considering the Moses law, it says, And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. For by one, pay attention, for by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Hallelujah. You and me, we are, we have been perfected forever. But then we step into the process of sanctification. We have been sanctified and verse 15, but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins, pay attention, their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. That's justification, grace, no merit. We didn't do a thing. Jesus did all for us. Our sins and our lawless deeds, God will remember no more. Now, where there is remission of these sins, that is no longer an offering for sin. So there is nothing you do that is going to justify your life before the Lord. The only source of justification is the sacrifice of Jesus. Amen? And now the second point, which is the, the item six, salvation in the soul, which is sanctification. Now we are talking about healing and deliverance because sanctification is a constant process through the revealed word and the spirit which the soul is conquered by the spirit that transformed to the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. The transformed part of the soul becomes the inner man or the new man. The non-transformed part of the soul remains the outer man or the old man. The first one, the inner man or new man, is holy and perfect, created to the image of Jesus Christ. But the other one is sinner 
and is still under the influence of evil spirits. It is in that sense that we can say that the born-again Christian carries two natures. One that is perfect, uh, according to the image, to the image and likeness of Jesus, and the other one that is uh, flawed and not able to fulfill the law of God. And let's read this in the in the Bible, Ephesians 4. Verse 22 to 24 says that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Put off is your decision to kill the beast. Put off, but it's there. You cannot uh, remove from your being yet. You put off the old man and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And then pay attention to Paul because Paul was one of the most significant men of God on the church timing. And he says in Romans 7, verse 22 and 23, For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, you see, inward man or new man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Can you see the battle between two natures? This is our daily experience. That's why the Bible speaks about we confessing sins because we sin daily. But I'm not telling you to sin daily. I'm just saying that you'll be fighting the old nature. And if you don't use the resource of God, and if you don't push this nature down, you know, which is taking your cross, crucifying the old man, and living for God, and being filled with the Holy Spirit, you won't get there. And in that sense, we go to the item seven, that sin and evil spirits walk together. Where there is iniquity and sin, there is evil spirits presence or action, whether it's from outside or from inside. The believers, the born again believers are not free from that. Instead, they will make war and will be under attacks as warriors in a battle. The battle is inside the soul first. The battle is in the marriage. The battle is in the family. The battle is inside the church. The battle is in the office where you work. The battle is in the neighborhood. The battle is in the city. The battle is in the state. The battle is in the nation. The battle is in the whole world. And uh, I want to mention two texts of the Bible that will give us that perce fine perception. 1 Corinthians 10 20, Paul says, I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. And if you read the context, you know, of uh, drinking the cup of the demons and drinking 
the cup of the Lord, you will understand that if you have this paradox of uh, being one person among brothers and being another person in the secrets, uh, you will have fellowship with demons. And uh, it is talking about believers having fellowship with demons. And Paul says, I don't want you to. And in Ephesians 4.27, he even says, nor give place to the devil. So there are situations where we give place, we give space, we give room to the devil to work, to operate, and eventually control our lives. Now let's go to item 8, which is the importance of the church. The born-again believers receive authority and anointing to deliver people from the evil spirits and also to make war in the heavenly place as intercessors. And just to mention Mark 16, 17, the signs that will follow those who believe in my name, they will cast out demons as a sign, as a demonstration of authority and anointing. And Acts 8 speaks about unclean spirits coming out of many who were possessed. So only the church can do this. Uh, let me go now to the proposal of this seminar. What are we bringing to the table? Proposal for the process of deliverance and healing. Okay, the sequence, theoretically speaking, but it's good for you to know, is first revelation. The minister and the person to be delivered receive the revelation of the dominion and the transgression, offense against God and His Word. So, we may go into the one of the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, which is discernment of spirits. So is is important to receive a spirit of revelation and wisdom, then we may be able to find the point. As we spoke about legality, now we speak about discernment. We don't want to just, you know, be praying and renounce, which we do, you know, as a practice, but we, in general, but we want to focus on the problems of every and each life. Once we receive the revelation, we are ready to go into the second point, confession of sins with true repentance. The person should speak up and make the confession a real work of repentance. Remember that we are breaking a legality. Words are documents in the spirit. Remember we are in a battle against the devil. He may try to prevent the words to come out of your mouth by controlling the mouth. So, in that moment that we're speaking up, in some case, people cannot speak. And then you clearly see that there is a dominion. The devil is saying, not out of this mouth, because I'm still in charge of this body. And then we insist and make the person confess and eventually manifestation comes. The third phase is prayer with anointing. Now it is time to use authority in the name of Jesus. 
The minister will lay hands and based on the confession, drive the evil spirits out of the person and release the power of God and the blessings. Let me tell you, I've been learning that the most effective way of doing this is making the person who has the body and has authority over his soul uh, coming into self-deliverance with us, aligning with us. It's not us casting out alone, but the person is agreeing and say, yes, devil, I take authority with this minister and I, I command you to leave in the name of Jesus. And then we release the power of God and the blessings. We have an important role of the intercessors or support team. They help under the command of the minister. Only one commands. This is very important, crucial. One is the minister doing the deliverance. The others are supporting. The devil loves confusion. So we pay attention to avoid, you know, intercessors to try to take the command. It is not authorized. Supporting prayer can even write down to the minister because they may have a a fine discernment. Uh, real tongues are welcome, speaking a praying spirit, but without distraction. Intercessors are not supposed to attract attention, but to help in a very discreet way. The presence of the Holy Spirit is the key in the process. God will send angels to make the war and to minister as well. And then healing comes with the deliverance. It is a process that follows the deliverance. The deliverance means there is a stronghold, there is a wound in the soul, and there is the presence of opportunistic spirit into that. And when we come with the power, we demolish the stronghold, we expose and drive out the evil spirit, and then we release the healing in that aspect, in that part of the soul that was controlled and a, and a structure of the soul was built around it. And healing comes and it can be connect to rejection or connect to abuse or connect to any sort of prison or captivity, uh, bitterness, abandonment, low self-esteem, pride, humiliation, and you can name it. Physical and emotional symptoms can be perceived like headaches, vomiting, lack of balance, oppression, hearing voice, fear, desperation, desire to escape, agony, panic, screaming, falling, rolling, and on. We as ministers and intercessors, we need to stay calm and use authority. In our pro protocol, we do not authorize the evil spirit to manifest unless it's needed by some sort of uh, uh, God's definition. So we don't want the devil to, to come up with a show, no confusion in the name of Jesus. All the time we depend on God. He's the one who delivers and heals. We are just his instruments and should stay humble. 
And uh, to close this lesson, let me just mention a few texts of the words to support everything we spoke. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Next one, Proverbs 28.13, He who covers his sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Another one, James 1, verse 21 and 22. Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of weakness and receive his meekness with meekness, the implanted word which is able to save your soul. You see, salvation of the soul is sanctification, is removal of the weakness, of the filthiness and everything that is dirt. And finally, to mention Isaiah 61.1, which is written in Luke 4, verse 18 and 19, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said, Lord Jesus, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And by reading this passage, we close the chapter 1, which is foundation for deliverance. God bless you. Thank you for listening. For more info on the Free Indeed podcast, please visit us at www.ashfordcc.com.